the shingles have obvious hail damage, but the adjuster is saying it's blisters or mechanical damage. And better yet, he's telling you that there needs to be a bruise or a fracture in the shingle for it to count. If you're tired of hearing this and want to be able to concretely overcome the claim game, then this is the podcast for you. In this series, we're going to do away with all the myths and reveal the truth behind hail and wind damage claims. My name is Chad Conley, and I'm a state-licensed public adjuster. Over the last 12 years, I've been responsible for more than $160 million in approved storm damage claims. And now, I'm bringing my expertise to you. Let's get it bought. Here we go, folks. Episode four of Get It Bought. We're going to cover something that I've been anxious to cover. And I think it's going to demystify something that, um, that's been overly mystified, is what I would say. It's simply this. Keep in mind, this is from a public adjuster's point of view. Why we're not special, public adjusters that is, and why you don't need us. Yes, that's right. You're literally going to get a pitch on why you do not need a public adjuster to get these roofs bought. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, I've had claims stuck before. I've hired PAs in the past, and they've done some pretty remarkable things, got things approved that I just didn't think would get approved. What are you getting at, Chad? Why wouldn't I want or need a public adjuster? And I have to say that almost everyone I talk to, and I've, I've had so much feedback too, by the way. Thank you, everyone. It's amazing. I'm, I'm getting text messages that folks are putting this stuff to work all over the country and getting roofs approved. It's amazing. So thank you for sharing that feedback. Keep bringing it in. But I also get solicited very heavily for, hey, hey, why don't you come work for us? And some of these outfits are big outfits. I mean, you know, they're, they're throwing money at it. And I'm going, hey, hey, look, listen, you don't need me. And so I've had to have the conversation that I'm going to have with everyone today a couple of times now with folks just kind of one-on-one. And it occurred to me that there's a misunderstanding in what it is a public adjuster does, why people think that they need us. And let's cover that. Let's go over that today. Let's, let's bury the myth, so to speak. I'm not saying that public adjusters are never needed. I'm not saying that there's never an instance where you would want to use a public adjuster. That's not what I'm saying. Remember, the point of this podcast is to help roofing contractors get roofs approved, hell claims, wind claims, to get those approved. That's a very narrow piece of the PNC market, property and casualty market. And when you're in a lane that narrow, there's only so much policy language that applies. As long as you understand the bounds of that, you don't really need a public adjuster. So let me explain. The only difference between a public adjuster and anyone else off the street is their ability to read policy language and understand how it applies to the loss. This understanding is what drives the approvals in the claims handling process. It's also what makes insurance adjusters sometimes a little bit nervous. It's also what very much intimidates roofing contractors. They get into a certain situation, they go, I need to get a public adjuster. But what we're going to go over today is going to kind of close that loop so that you can look at the situation a little bit differently and go, "I, I don't need a public adjuster to do this. I've got this. Listen to Get It Bought, figured it out. So let's think about this for a moment. Some of you may or may not have ever seen a denial letter. Uh, the little Dear John from the insurance company that says, here's why we're not paying your loss. If you've never seen one of those, I encourage you to take a look at one. They're simply this. They are, hey, here's what you claimed and the date of loss that you claimed it for, date of occurrence. Here's why we're not paying it. And many times, and this is what they should do just about every time, is they'll incorporate the specific policy language, copied and paste from the policy on why they're not paying that loss. 
hey, because this part says X, Y, and Z, we're not paying it. Taken in its very literal sense, all they're doing is saying, hey, here's the black and white, and this is our basis. If you know how to respond to that or how to approach that claim in the beginning with the same understanding, the same kind of black and white understanding, and we're not going to go into every nuance of that today. That's the point of the whole podcast series. What we're going to get into today is understanding the basis. It's kind of back to episode one, the foundation for claims approvals, but to tie it back to how it makes a public adjuster potent and how you can make yourself have the same level of potency. That concept is what we're trying to get. And so when you think about, when you think about this is the specific reason why the insurance carrier denied the loss, then you have to think in specifics when you are proving your loss. Well, it's not your loss exactly. It's the, your customers, the insureds, but you're there to show this to the adjuster and get the claim approved. We've talked about the confined by closure system. We went to that in depth on episode one, touched on it in some of the other episodes here. When you're approaching the loss, just know that there's some very specific things that apply you know, to more than just roofing claims, but there's a few exclusions that the insurance company likes to apply to the roofing claims. So manufacturer's defect is one, mechanical damage. We talked about some of that last episode, but then you've got things like data loss, for example. That could apply to all types of losses, but in roofing, we know that they many times reach for that based on a storm report that they've obtained. So what would a public adjuster do different from what a roofer would do? Well, knowing that these truths exist in roofing claims, they're going to collect the data and information they need and address each one of those components in the policy that they know the adjuster is going to reach to. Because you see, PAs will hone in on the key elements of the policy that addresses that roofing loss and not allow the insurance company to pull a sleight of hand. There are claims denied for all kinds of reasons that are not valid, but the ones handling the claim, the homeowners and the roofers, many times don't realize that it even happened. The PA, they know. That being said, the insurance carriers, they also know that the PA knows. Let's take Allstate, for example. Allstate has a separate department for dealing with public adjusters. And the reason why is because that team is trained to deal with how a public adjuster is going to handle a loss, which is going to be very by the book. Roofing claims, when you're a roofing contractor and you've got a claim, that doesn't really set off a lot of alarm bells. They just kind of let the run-of-the-mill adjuster go handle that. comes from a public adjuster, they get scooped up and put into this special bucket to deal with these people that are trained to shut down the things the public adjuster is going to come to the table with. So just know that you can be just as effective as a public adjuster without having to worry about the other side circling their wagons. You see, this is an absolute advantage for you as a roofing contractor. There's another advantage here. It's going to sound kind of funny, but it's going to sound really funny actually, but it's powerful. As a roofing contractor, you can play dumb. For those of you out there that served in the military, I'm certain any of my brethren that are out there that are United States Marines, you can appreciate this. Lance Corporals can play dumb better than anybody in the world. They operate almost as slick as a criminal organization, the Lance Corporal Underground, if you will. So we mastered the art of playing dumb. As a roofing contractor, you can do the same thing. For example, you could maybe throw out there, hey, can we get a few more labor hours to pay for this, that, or the other? As a roofing contractor, you're just asking innocently. You might get a yes. You certainly could get the insurance adjuster to say something that maybe he or she should not be saying. It seems harmless enough. They're only talking to a roofer after all. The things that a roofing contractor can get an adjuster to admit to or to say or to trip up on are so much better than what the typical public adjuster can get because they're coming out on point. They're waiting. They're looking. They're, they're guarding everything that they say. And you've got this distinct advantage. They don't circle their wagons when they're dealing with a roofer. Not only do you not need a public adjuster, you don't want to be one. Trust me, it's annoying. 
for some of the reasons already stated. You come to the quote-unquote claim, not anticipating a fight, which you actually show up to is a fight. You've got continuing education. I always forget. And it's always like, oh man, I've got, in three months, I've got to have all these classes done. Boom, have to go knock them out. You've got licenses to keep up with across multiple states. Those are governmental entities, or as we like to say around here, government. There's nothing about that that's fun. I don't even have to explain it. You get it. Then you have things like E&O insurance. If you don't know what E&O insurance is, I'll just tell you really quick. It's errors and omissions insurance. This is basically insurance in case you screw up advising someone on their policy and they decide that they want to file a lawsuit against you for it. And this is to help cover maybe a poor decision that you made or bad advice that you gave. It's just a lot of aggravation. And for roofing claims, it's not necessary. You could take every reason why a roof would get denied and just hold them right there in the palm of your hands. Whereas if you were to look at property and casualty as a whole, there's elements to a water loss. There's elements to a fire loss. There's elements to dealing with contents. There's repair versus replace. And I know that's a big debate in the roofing industry sometimes, but it's totally different when you're talking about a house that's burnt. What's getting torn out? What's getting put back in, etc.? It gets really complicated. It gets complex. Lots more experts, specialists, their entire companies dedicated to how to catalog contents, assigning value to them. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's such a big industry that's out there, you know, housing for displaced homeowners. There's a lot to that. But the beauty of what the roofing contractor does, the beauty of property and casualty and as it relates to re-roofing is that it's narrow, meaning that all the things that you have to tackle and look out for is very slim. As long as you understand things like ordinance and law coverage, also referred to as O&L coverage. You understand the basic exclusions, which we've already talked about some here. You understand that you have to prove the date of loss. And that's true no matter what the type of claim it is. It's true, especially in hell claims and wind claims. But once you understand that these are the lanes that you're operating in, you can perfect your system with dealing with these insurance adjusters, dealing with these claims, and do it in such a way to not need a public adjuster and have just the effectiveness. There, there's a fallacy out there that if a public adjuster is on this claim, then the adjuster is going to really want to approve it. Sometimes, but I would say more times than not, they come looking for a fight because there's so many public adjusters out there that ask for the sun, stars, and the moon on a loss. In my opinion, many times they're beyond the realm of what I consider to be reasonable. And I know that's a controversial thing. And there's public adjusters probably listening to this flipping out right now. They'll get over it. But the point is, is that because these things exist in this market, we end up in situations where as a public adjuster, we're at a distinct disadvantage. And you guys, the roofing contractors, the real roofing experts, and I can't say that enough. You guys are the roofing experts. There should be nobody in this world telling a roofing contractor how to put a roof on or what is or is not damage other than a roofing contractor, period. Stick your chest out, gents. Ladies, be proud. Engineers, you ain't got nothing on roofers. They didn't have to go to school for six years, eight years, or whatever to figure out how to make money. They were smart. You guys are the experts, and you don't want to be a public adjuster. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably actively working roofing-related insurance claims. If that's true and you're not supplementing all of your insurance work, then you're missing out big time. The simple fact is the insurance company's estimate is just that, an estimate. Get paid for all the work you're doing. Get claim right. ClaimRight is the industry's first ever subscription-based insurance supplement service. Yes, subscription-based. With your monthly subscription, 
ClaimRight will supplement up to 50 of your insurance re-roof jobs, including the exactments, supporting documentation, and working out the pricing with your adjusters. Now, you've heard about our services, but what you probably didn't know is that ClaimRight has the GainRight guarantee. We guarantee that you'll make back more than what you spent on your subscription within the first 30 days, or we'll give you your money back. That's right, an insurance supplement service that's subscription-based with a money-back guarantee. It's literally zero risk. Guaranteed profit or your money back. Visit ClaimRight.com and sign up today with the GainRight guarantee. That's ClaimRight.com, ClaimRite.com. Now, let's talk about what do we do? There's 39 states now. My count may be not current, but last time I checked, 39 states that has some type of laws on the books about discussing policy language, coverage, things like that on an insured loss in which the law says you have to be a public adjuster to have those types of conversations. Those laws are what they are, and most of them are written very similar. You would have to check in your individual state how your state addresses this. But most of them that I've seen are written in such a way that as long as you're not advising or offering to represent the insured in any other fashion other than just, hey, I'm here to show you the damages and provide to you what the cost is going to be to get this roof replaced. That's the job of the roofer. As long as you don't go outside of those bounds, you're totally fine. That begs the question, then how do we do that? How do we use the confined by closure system, shut all the doors on the exclusions to guarantee the approval if we can't talk about coverage? Remember, all we got to do is, quote unquote, play dumb. Now, that doesn't mean advise on the policy and then act like you didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. That's not what I mean. What I mean is is that you can be specific without being specific. Bring to the table all of the things that you know is required to shut the doors on the exclusions. Bring something supporting the date of loss. This means preparing ahead of time. In your market, is it 60% OC, 30% GAF, et cetera, or vice versa or whatever, is the majority of your market one or two shingles? We see this a lot. Then work with the manufacturers or reach out, reach out to get it bought. We've got these notes being attached to different episodes, et cetera. We've got a library of this stuff. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just follow the email in the show notes and we can get you all the notes that we've got to support these things. But do this ahead of time. Have it ready to go. That way, when you meet with the insurance adjuster and it's time to start proving the loss, you're prepared. Make sure your photographs, we talked about this before, I believe it was in episode one, but make sure your photographs showing the damage is turned in ahead of the adjuster's arrival. This means that the insurance company's already put on notice. They can't say, well, our guy was out there and he didn't see anything. What do you mean he didn't see anything? There's pictures of dents in the gutters and the metal roof and the HVAC vent caps, et cetera. That, that was all there on file before he ever got here. <laughs> that'll, that'll trip them up, right? And again, all the public adjuster is going to do different from what you're going to do. They're a good public adjuster. So they're going to crack open that policy and look at it. They're going to look for exclusions. They're going to look and see if there's ordinance and law coverage. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, probably more than 90% of the policies we interact with has ordinance and law coverage. Assume that they have it. Assume that your customer has ordinance and law coverage, because here's the worst that would happen. Let's say you point something out to the insurance adjuster that would be an ordinance and law type item that might be the type of item that could push this thing into an approval. You don't have to tell him, I read the insurance policy and I know that they've got ordinance and law coverage. All you have to say is, oh, this thing right here, yeah, this can't equal true. This is code, so that's going to have to be replaced. See how that works? You've essentially established, if the adjuster knows that there's ordinance and law coverage, it doesn't have to be said. And it's kind of like pulling the string on the sweater, so to speak. So maybe there's only a handful of shingles that the adjuster's really agreeing to that it's damaged, but it's around an area of the roof where 
there's more that's got to be torn out. Specifically, building code states that the substrate must be a nailable surface. That's a universal thing all the way across the country. That's an IBC and IRC code item. If you had pictures from the attic showing that the storm damage stuff that they're agreeing needs to be replaced and they're trying to say it's just a quote-unquote repair. If you've got pictures from the attic showing that, hey, look, the wood's wet from the backside here, we're going to have to tear these sheets OSB out. That might be just what it takes to push that roof over the edge on ordinance and law coverage. But you don't have to quote that ordinance and law coverage. That's why you don't have to be a public adjuster. Like I said, more than 90% of the policies we interact with has the coverage. It's very common. Your large carriers typically have it built in. Varies a little bit region to region. But go in assuming it's there. Go in knowing. I mean, you can assume that you've got to prove the data loss because every policy requires that. And you see where I'm going with this. There's almost sort of a a secret sauce that people think public adjusters have. And that's not at all the case. It's actually not very glamorous or sexy at all. It's It's just nerding out reading an insurance policy. Now, as a public adjuster, being licensed, having errors and emissions insurance, et cetera, we can't go into it assuming that they've got a certain kind of coverage. We can't play dumb. But as a roofing contractor, you can be the smartest person in the room, fly right below the radar, and get everything that you and your customer needs to get it bought. That's it, folks. Gosh, I could have went a country mile deep on this. I'm trying to keep these under a certain time cap so you guys can get the information, get it quick. Until next time, I hope everybody's rocking and rolling, staying safe out there. Let's get out there and get it bought. 